0: I'm Amber Harper, host of the Burned In Teacher Podcast, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Be sure to check out our other podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one.
1: Coming up in episode 42 of Podcast PD, we get inside the head of Luke, the student teacher, we have swag, and we give away some books.
0: This is Podcast PD, the show that provides you with anytime, anywhere professional development.
1: Our conversations and guests provide you with the learning you might get in a faculty meeting or on a PD day.
2: Except you'll have more fun with Stacey Lindis, AJ Bianco, and me, Chris Nessie. Hello, podcast people. This is episode 42 of Podcast PD. My name is Chris Nessie, at Mr. Nessie on Twitter. And before we get to the featured conversation, hello to my podcast compadres, AJ Bianco and Stacey Lindis. Happy holidays, Stacy. How are you?
0: Happy holidays, Chris. I'm doing well. We actually just spent the weekend, well, last night at my uh, husband's holiday party. So holiday seasons are certainly upon us.
2: That's awesome. I'm sure you are creating cookies or you have some magical 2018 special cookie.
0: I have no cookies yet. I haven't even thought about it. I just saw AJ's head whip up. Like, wait, what? Yeah, there, there's, I have not even thought about it. So we'll see. That competitive cookie exchange is coming up. It's on the 22nd, and I don't know what I'm baking. It'll be okay. I'll still win.
2: We look forward to you bringing home the gold. AJ, what's going on, buddy?
1: Hey, what's going on, Chris? Happy holidays out there in podcast land. This is a unusual recording night for me. Uh, on this day, the Jets had a victory. So this is happy AJ tonight. Happy Monday Plus, to me for my students. You got students. your Christmas
0: gift early. Oh, that's
1: it. That's the only gift I'm going to get for the rest of the season, I think.
2: <laughs> hey, the Giants put up 40 points today. I can't tell you the last time they put up a four. Yeah,
1: let, let, the, let the Giants keep winning. That's great for me. I like it. That's true. Our tree is up, everybody. I'm looking at my Christmas tree right here as we record this. Yeah,
2: you have the uh, the real
1: tree, we right? We got a real tree. and we uh We had the family decorations on there today, and the boys were
2: quite excited. Stacy do you do a, a real tree or a faux tree
0: we do a real tree every year since the beginning of time in this house yeah um, we are at a different Christmas tree farm this year when that is actually right down the road from our house our old Christmas tree farm wasn't open last year and um this Christmas tree farm a is closer and B has beautiful trees there is not an ugly tree on the lot you can walk in and be like, spin around and point at random, and that would be the perfect tree. It's just a matter of is it the, tall enough or short enough to fit in your house.
2: Wow, that's pretty cool. So how tall is your tree?
0: Um, tall enough to fit my house. I don't know. It's taller than yeah. me. I posted taller. a picture on Facebook.
2: So is the lamp on my Seriously. desk.
1: <laughs> These are like three foot nine. Wow, it's how, taller than you. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you go real or fake?
2: Uh, we go fake, and my fake tree is, like, almost 30 years old because I took it from my parents when I moved out. It's a beautiful fake tree. Oh, it's it's gorgeous. Is it up? Yeah, it's up. We put it up uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're those people. Same.
0: Yeah, same. No, we get our tree the day after Thanksgiving. So our tree Along
2: will... with my lights.
0: So they didn't have pre-lit trees 30 years ago, did they?
2: Nope. I have to put the branches on, fluff the tree, make it look like a real tree. After I put it up, sweep up needles like it was a real tree.
1: I think 20, 2019 might be the year for the new tree for the Nessie household.
2: No, nah, it is a it's a gorgeous tree. You can't get fake trees like this anymore. <laughs> I'm very nostalgic. I was actually thinking the other day, you know, when uh when Miles and Colton grow up and they want eventually move out, that they will not get this tree because I anticipate it lasting till I die. <laughs> It's a really good tree. It's a really <laughs> good tree. I have to put tinsel on it and lights and find the good side of the tree. Um, but anyway, speaking of the good side of the Christmas tree, we all know that that's the bottom where you find presents. So we have a couple of presents to give away. AJ, why don't you talk about the, the latest contest and let's tell the people who won and what they won.
1: So if everybody remembers back to episode 40, we had Mandy Freilich on. And we had a giveaway, like Oprah style. You get a book. You get a book. And that's it. We only had two books to give away. So, we have our winners for the books and the competition of Divergent EDU and the Fire Within Books. And congratulations to listeners, Ken Morrison and Emily Cress.
2: They are
0: the greatest. I'm so excited for you guys. I really want to check out um, both of Mandy's books, but especially Divergent EDU. Oh,
1: congratulations, Ken and Emily. Great job. Thank you for tweeting at us. And you have the hashtags in there. And uh, you have been chosen as the winners.
2: Yes, if this is the first time you two are hearing about this, that means you haven't checked your social media messages. So we're trying to reach out to you so we can get your contact information and we can get... You, your prizes. But thank you for entering. And one of the things we're hoping to do in 2019 is, well, give more stuff away. So (laughs) stay tuned for future contests and how you can win some awesome stuff by listening to this podcast.
0: So, Chris, you were talking about the good side of the Christmas tree and the presents that come underneath that side. And I just want to let our listeners know that we have some new podcast PD swag available for sale. If you go to podcastpd.com forward slash swag, you will be directed to our Public store where you will find amazing t-shirts. I have one. Mine's purple. You'll find hoodies, long sleeve shirts, tanks, and some really cool accessories that in my view are all purple, but that's because it's my favorite color. Do not think that you need to have a purple phone case or a purple mug or a purple pillow or a purple tote. You can change the color and show your support of Podcast PD wherever you go.
2: And if you purchase stuff from the store, take a picture of it and tag us on social media so we can see our swag out in the wild, which would be awesome because as we all know, swag makes you feel good. And when you feel good, that helps us improve and grow the podcast for you.
0: All right. And now, (laughs) all right, now to our featured content. So Chris recused himself from talking about our guest because he has some insider knowledge. Tonight, we are talking with Luke Wiley, Chris's student teacher. Luke Wiley has earned his BA in history with minor studies in American Studies at Rutgers University. Currently, he's in his fifth year earning his master's in education, and he's student teaching with Chris. He's a member of the Rutgers University track and field team, where he is a distance runner. Can't wait to hear what distances he runs.
1: Probably long ones.
0: I don't know. You never know. Distance in track and fields is a little bit different than distance in cross country. We'll let Luke talk about that too. Welcome to Podcast PD, Luke Wiley.
3: Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on.
2: Luke, I'm very excited to have you here because, I mean, we get to talk every day. And now here we get to talk even more on a Sunday night. So I'm very excited after talking with you about podcasting and technology and education to have you here on the podcast so this is exciting it's like having one of your kids do something great so
3: i'll try my best i'm i'm really excited to be here as well as something that i was been looking forward to for quite a bit of time now so it'll be cool to share my insights with uh with the podcast pd listeners
1: all right luke let's get started we're putting you on the hot seat right away so first tell us why a career in education
3: Um, so as we were talking a little bit about before the show, it wasn't my first uh, choice when I was going into college. Um, but as I went throughout my courses at Rutgers, I really developed my love for history. Like I really liked it when I was in high school, but then as I took more and more classes at Rutgers, I began to enjoy like the, the lecture style, the seminar style. And I wanted to see how I could bring that sort of thing to people. And then I found out how easy it was to turn my sights to education in the Rutgers Graduate School of Education. So I started to gear myself toward that track. And the more and more classes I went to um, for education, I really developed this love for it that I have now because I was learning about disadvantaged populations that don't receive the same level of education as I got when I was in school um, and how people can change that sort of thing without... Resources without the money that uh, districts like mine would get, and just learning about how to navigate this world and bringing that to students. Because I feel as though with my whole experience going through school, it was I felt like a lot of it I was going on my own because I I feel like I might have lone wolfed it a little bit through high school. Like I was like I don't need nobody's help. Wasn't even sure if I was going to go to college, so. I want to be able to bring the stuff that I got in college to other students at a lower level, like high school specifically. Um, so I would say that that's definitely the reason that I decided to pick education as opposed to stay in the field that I was initially in. And
1: in what field was that initially?
3: It was exercise science. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I'll make a lot of money, you know, I'll be, maybe will be a go back and get my doctorate or something. And then I got a thirty six on my first chem test, and I was like, maybe this isn't for me, you know, I'll probably end up hating everything if I do this. So
1: now when you think back for high school, since you, you had history as as your love, is there a teacher that stood out to you that you wanted to emulate based on that?
3: Yeah, my freshman year world history teacher, which um she has since gotten married, so her her name has changed. But is it cool if I like give her name out on here? Should I should I shout her give out? Give her a
1: shout out, absolutely.
3: So when I had her, she was Miss Risbridge. She is now Mrs. Carullo. Um, congrats on the marriage. I haven't seen her since then. So, yeah, she was my college prep level history teacher. So I didn't take honors when I was a freshman, but I think I'm much better for it now because that was where I figured out that history could be this subject that came alive. You know what I mean? It wasn't some dusty old like reading out of a book type thing. Um, she made activities engaging. You know, she was somebody that fostered that love for for history in me. Um. She was somebody that I kept in contact with over the past couple of years. I invited her to Ed Camp. She unfortunately had to attend a wedding, so she couldn't make it. But um, was, was it her own wedding? No. <laughs> I was going to no, say it the wasn't, same thing. It wasn't, it wasn't her own wedding. Um, it was <laughs> one of her friends. I think she was in the bridal party. So, um, yeah, she is somebody that really, really helped me along the way in terms of figuring out that education potentially was for me.
0: Nice. Do you know if she's on Twitter?
3: Um, I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, today was the first day that I have. I just entered the Twitterverse. So I'll have to I'll have to see if she's on there. Maybe I'll send her an email after this.
0: Wait a minute. Time out. You are on your last two weeks of student teaching with Chris and you just joined Twitter today?
3: Yeah. And it was funny because this past week, every single day, he's like, all right, we're going to sit down and work on it today and work on it today. And then it never happened because of random things that came up in my on my end where I was like going back and forth, trying to find food and then also going to meetings and stuff. So it ended up not being possible this week. Chris, I'm
0: so disappointed.
2: Okay. Now timeout back when I first mentioned I was going to have a student teacher. I asked you to specifically on a previous episode. At what point do I expose him to the rest of everything that I do in education?
0: I think we said you immediately.
2: No, neither of you said it no, immediately. Said slowly. <laughs> said slowly.
0: It'll scare Maybe I thing. should go back and small. re-listen.
2: <laughs> so it happened when it happened, and he did it all by himself. He signed up for Twitter, like so many others, which I think has even more value. And, Absolutely. But truth be told, I said, I, I'll tell this here on the show, I said, Luke, you're going to be on the podcast, and we're going to get to the point where we say, how can people connect with you? Don't give out your phone number. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, he looked me right in the eyes. He's like, don't give out your phone number. I was like, yeah, I, I hadn't planned on it. <laughs> Scratch that.
0: That's so funny.
2: So so Luke is at the beginning of his adventure in the Twitterverse.
0: Congratulations.
2: But prior to getting to this point and even getting to student teaching, and, and Luke, you mentioned this, can you talk about some of the coursework you received or went through in order to get to student teaching? Now, let me just preface it by saying, at Rutgers, they have the five-year master's program. So, the first four years were spent getting your history courses, and then you moved into the education track. So, if that's accurate, let's just talk about some of the education courses you've taken to date.
3: Yeah. So the way that it works at the GSE, the Rutgers Graduate School of Education, um, you apply your sophomore or no, you apply your junior year. And you apply in the fall semester, and then you'll be notified of your acceptance or potential waitlisting um, by like February or March. Before that, they ask you to take one class. They ask you to take educational psychology, which um, which was a very interesting class. It was where I met one of my closest friends in my cohort. Um, it's uh, it was mostly based in like adolescent development, how we learn about learning, stuff like that, and then. Once I got into the Graduate School of Education, there were a couple of different classes I've taken. I've taken Education and Computers, which has developed into one of the most um, widely taken courses. It's one of the most popular electives at the GSE. We talk about things like Twitter. We talk about Padlet, I think was one of the main ones I did. Um, We look at different websites. I've taken the philosophy of social studies education. So that's where like one of the main assignments there is like you develop your philosophy on teaching, which was I think really helpful in me figuring out who I am as an educator and what I really want to do in the classroom. Um, take in methods, which uh, I think it's methods, materials, and assessments. So in that class, we learn about different ways to present information, how we get discussions started, stuff like that. Um Moving forward, I have a class called gender and education, one that's community based where I go into the community of New Brunswick and I help out with um, families that are in need in a variety of ways, whether it's finding food in what are called food deserts where there's no um, there's no supermarkets for large spaces. Um, And then also working with adults, developing literacy at the adult center. Um, Some other classes that I've taken trying to remember there have been. There haven't been as many yet because I didn't technically join the program until this year. Um, But I know like moving forward into the next class or into the next semester, I have analysis of social studies, curricula, inclusive teaching. We've had urban education, bilingual education, which were both split into half year courses, classroom management, which was taken over the summer. Um, So classes like that, you know, you have the in-depth ones that deal with your content area specifically. And then the more generalized ones where it's like, Here's best practice, you know, here is classroom management. Uh, Here's how you include English language learners. Here's how you navigate the treacherous terrain of um, low funded, low resource schools, stuff like that.
2: Well, let me ask you, this is a quick follow up. It sounds like, and, and maybe I should have known this already. So when you're done student teaching in a couple of weeks, next semester, you're going to take more courses to learn things about teaching. After you've already gone through the student teaching experience.
3: Yeah. um, Specifically, I think the main course that I'm supposed to, not the main course that I'm supposed to take, but the one that I'm supposed to focus the most on, I think, is the analysis of social studies curricula. So we look into how curricula is created and why certain things are prioritized over others. Um, Then inclusive teaching, trying to get these marginalized peoples into the classroom in a more inclusive way, obviously, based on the title. But, yeah, I mean, the the learning of how to become a better educator never stops in the GSE, which is something that I really like about it.
2: But I, I would wonder if – and I'm going to follow up with you in, like, June – if what you got in these spring courses you would have wished you gotten before you stepped into the classroom. So I'll, I'll just be curious about that later on down the road.
3: Yeah. Do you finish up in June? No, I'm done in two weeks now, so I'm done on December twenty first. No, no,
0: I mean with your whole program.
3: Oh no, I have a. I will graduate in May, and then because I think I need twelve more credits, which is the four classes that I take, and that's typical of anyone in my program.
0: Right, right. So, Chris, why are you so shocked that Luke has additional coursework after student teaching?
2: Well. Back in my day, student teaching was the last thing you did, and typically that's it. You're done. You know, it's graduation time. And, and you before that, you got all that coursework out of the way, and then it was time to put into practice everything you learned in a classroom. So just by him describing some of what he's going to get after he has student taught, some of it seems like that would be good information to have looked at before you were in a classroom basically full-time.
0: Some of it, but I think you kind of, it it discounts what Luke just said too about how um, our responsibility as as educators is to continue our learning. And that's part of how the GSE goes about their program, right? Like there's continuing education after the student teaching experience, which I think kind of lends a different different perspective. Right,
2: but but I'm just coming at it from... So, and I'm going to talk about you like you're not here, <laughs> but so Luke gets that information in the spring. And then when the next time he gets to maybe put it into practice, it's, it's for real, it's go time job on the line kind of stuff. First year teacher, no safety net of student teacher. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yes. And no, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm. I guess, but I just feel I mean, like think back
2: to your own experience after you student taught, what happened? You graduated, you were done, you moved on.
0: Yep. But I also, I, I also have a different path. I went back to grad school and that's how I got certified. I went, I was in a two year program. Luke, Luke got all of this in one year. I had, I had a two year program for that. So things have definitely changed. And even now we don't stop learning just because we've completed our program. And we don't stop applying the new learning to what we're doing. We're
2: lifelong learners and we go to conferences. We continue to grow and get that professional development. But it just seems like, I I don't want to beat a dead horse. It just, in my opinion, I, I would think all of the coursework he's talked about, I would want to get that upfront and then go student teach and have a student teaching seminar to go with it where I can then talk with other people, talk with the professor, talk with the people in, in the cohort. And you know, have as much information at my disposal as I'm student teaching. Cause I'm sure there's going to come a point next semester where he's going to wish he was coming into a classroom and could try a strategy and he's just kind of got to sit on it.
3: Hmm.
2: What do you think Luke?
3: Um, I mean, definitely there. I agree with you to some degree like there, Part of me wishes the last thing that I would do would be the student teaching because then I would have all of these tools at my disposal, as you alluded to. But I like student teaching in the fall. I think it's significantly better than student teaching in the spring because I can also help in developing the culture of the classroom. You know, they can see me as somebody who is of equal standing in terms of an educational viewpoint um, at, to the to the classroom teacher because. As you and I have done over these past couple of uh, over these past couple of weeks, you and me have been one and one. You know what I mean? Like, you're neither of us is greater than the other, um, and I really appreciate that. But I, I see the merit in doing it in the spring because then I will have learned everything that I will learn in the program um, before I graduate. But um, I don't know. I think it's also meant to be used as a sort of if somebody go gets a long term sub position that they can take during the day and then take these take that thing from class that night into the classroom the next morning. Um, But yeah, I mean, I definitely like the fact that I have class next semester and I would appreciate getting some of this information beforehand. Like analysis of social studies curricula, I think is a good one to have after the fact, but inclusive teaching is one that I kind of wish I would have had before. Um, Analysis of social studies curricula is something that I think that I can really like wrap my mind around and I don't want to have to deal with that. On top of doing the student teaching, you know what I
2: mean, I get that curriculum can be certainly challenging and interesting,
3: yeah
2: <laughs> as we've even discussed <laughs> um, what is something now here in your student teaching experience based on the classes you've taken, is there anything that's come up in this experience in our class that the classes you've taken hadn't prepared you for
3: um Definitely the language barrier that exists between me and the students, like the students that you and I teach, they are all for the most part, English language learners. Um, The English is not their first language. And that is something that I feel I've struggled with. Like I've taken teaching emerging bilinguals, but it's the sort of, Oh, here's it in theory. You know what I mean? But how is it in practice? Coming up with that differentiation and knowing how to implement the tools that I saw. Like, we pretty much just talked about them in theory. We never really were like, okay, here's some English language learners. Let's try and, you know, not fix the problem, but address it in a way that you're still making sure that they get the same quality of education as everyone else in the room. Um, that's something that I felt was a huge struggle for me this year.
2: Si, cuando tú no puedes hablar, tú tienes uno problema.
0: Chris, that was unfair. So you talked about how not being able to address your your ELL's language needs has been a struggle. What other struggles have you experienced through student teaching? I mean, outside of the daily struggle of having to work with Chris every day, like what else has been hard?
3: Finding like my own voice, you know, it's something that I think all student teachers struggle with is. Trying to put who you are into the classroom, like the people that I've had multiple people observe me. I've had Chris observe me. I've had my district liaison observe me. I've had an, another third person observe me. I've had I've had a lot of people come in to see me teach, and each one of them is like, "You got to put more personality into what you're doing." You know, you're 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 a person who has a personality. You're a person who is funny. You know, can do all of these things, but it's not showing in what you're teaching. So. Um, I guess finding that level of comfort with the students to the point where I could be like, yeah, you know, make a joke with them. But at the same time, be like, all right, we need to get back on task. Um, Being more of a person, you know, for the first couple of weeks, I felt like I might've just been a robot who was like, must teach content. You know what I mean? Like, It felt like I was somebody who was not necessarily going through the motions, but trying to do specific things that, I think if I were more comfortable, I wouldn't be doing, you know what I mean? Being like, okay, no time for this or that. We need to get done this specific thing that I started at the beginning of class. And not having that room for digression, not having that room to allow maybe a potential conversation that could lead into something like a teachable moment. I had maybe not let that come to fruition, you know what I mean? Sort of the comfort level and how that develops, I think, was one of the main things that I struggled with, at least in the beginning.
1: I think those are all pretty fair challenges. I don't think that's something you're going to walk into a classroom and get that feel right away. So, I mean, don't honestly, don't feel like that's never going to come to you or don't be nervous about that. Yeah. That's, you know, when you, when you go into education, you're told your job is to teach curriculum and make you know, make nice with the kids and and everything will be all hunky dory, you know, but uh, that's what it is. But, you know, just talking to you a couple of times, and having the conversation tonight, I can tell you're going to have your voice very quickly when you have your own classroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're going to figure out who you are very easily. Thank you. So so with that, besides the the voice, the internal voice, and how you're going to kind of present yourself to students, do you have any fears going into either – was it going into this experience or even into your next experience as a classroom teacher?
3: I definitely – do have certain fears. Like I, I fear striking that balance that we've kind of talked a little bit about of being somebody that they can trust and rely on, but also being their teacher. Um, I fear, cause I'm like a, I'm not like relatively like I'm, I'm like an average person. I'm an average height person. We have a kid who's six foot six in our class. Like I definitely fear that sort of power dynamic where he's like, I could literally crush you. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, don't please. You know what I mean? Um, but other than that, I think that I am somewhat prepared for the next step as much as someone in my position can be. So I haven't really thought too much about like what I'm scared of, you know, I try to live in the moment so that like I'm not terrified because I mean, it is, it's a huge step once I get to my own classroom where somebody like Chris isn't with me, you know? So I'm trying to leave that to the future to be anxious about it.
1: I think that's perfect because going in with any kind of fear, you're not going to succeed in any job that you're doing. So that's good. That's a great mindset, in my opinion.
2: I, I tried to create an environment from day one where, Luke, you would feel comfortable knowing that, yeah, there, there is a safety net, but from day one, it was, hey, spread your wings, find your voice. And you know, from day to day, as we've gone through the last couple of months, you have certainly See, now what we should have done, we should have videotaped you on the first day so you could always look back at that first day or those first couple of days. Um, I mean, I've seen tremendous growth where you've become more relaxed. And I mean, content, you've got that. At this point, you've got the history degree, but it's that art of teaching that you've continued to develop. And there's things about your personality and the way you interact with our students that no book or course is going to teach anybody how to do. So that's a part that I think is really important. And I would have known from the, from the first moments, whether or not you had that and you've got it. So again, kudos to you because you've got the personality and you know, you, you're always willing to learn. You're willing to listen. You ask a lot of questions. That's something that a teacher one year or 30 years that, that, should be a big takeaway from today's conversation. Thank you.
1: So what's something that you, going into the classroom and your experience, what's something that you wanted to try, but you haven't
3: tried yet? So I had that one materials methods and assessments class where there was this there was this project idea that we talked a little bit about. My professor for that class uh, is a New Jersey educator. Her name is Shauna Stein. She works at Montclair High School. Um, she's an incredibly fantastic teacher, you know, she's somebody who I could look to for literally anything, whether it's resources, whether it's, um, assessment methods, like she was, she was an all-star, you know, she was somebody that I really looked up to in the time that I had her class. But something she told us about was something that I really wanted to try where I think she called it the perfect 10, where it was kind of like, um, an like a, an assessment grade where the students got to pick a combination of items that would add up to 10 total points for a grade. And it was like project choice, which I something me and Chris have tried to implement um, in a variety of different ways with project choice. And she would have like smaller assignments it would be like, like three journal entries for this project. And that's worth a point each. And then there'd be like a larger three point timeline and then maybe a five pointer. That's like an essay or something. And that was something that i really wanted to bring into the classroom because i thought it added an element of fun, you know, math across the curriculum, just kidding. But um, it added an element of really fun choice as opposed to just like here are your options. You be like you can make you can make this as creative as you want. You can maybe potentially make it a little bit more analytical if you're somebody who enjoys writing, um, more visual if you're somebody who is more artistically inclined, stuff like that. I thought that was really cool. That was something I wanted to bring into the class. A little bit more discussion, which I think was part of not necessarily being as confident with my teaching ability and facilitating discussion. I think I wish I would have gotten a little bit more into letting conversations flow freely and not having to dominate the floor. Like I felt like to develop who I was as an educator, I think for a lot of it, I needed to be the one talking. And that was something that kept coming up on my observations. People were like, you need to do less of the talking. Like, let the students do this, do the work. You know, it's, it's all about student-centered learning, student-centered projects, all that sort of stuff. Like, it goes from the, those um, really catchy phrases, sage on the stage to the guide on the side sort of stuff. Like, I really wish I would have incorporated that a little bit more um, in terms of an assignment that I wish I would have done and a teaching style I wish I would have given more light to. Those would be my two answers.
2: I would certainly say that over the last, I'd say, four to five weeks, and you've even mentioned it, that you've worked on wait time and you've been surprised at what a little bit of wait time can do to spark the students in our classes to respond. Or, you know, it's really easy when you've always got the same person who always has their hand up right away to go to that student. And then when you wait, That gives those other students a chance to really process what you've said or what somebody else has said. And and you've done a nice job growing in that area. Um, Call me the proud Papa Bear, but you got this.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, and I think that's something that you and I have brought up again and again is the wait time sort of thing. And then also the like if that one student who keeps raising their hand being like, you know, I've heard from you a lot today, let's try and get somebody who hasn't been in the conversation as much. I think that was something that I've gotten a lot better at this student teaching experience. And I can't wait to try and do that a little bit more. You know, we have those, we all have those students who are a little bit quiet, but then if you give them the opportunity to talk and if you ask them to talk, they provide something really insightful or they'll say something that you hadn't expected them to say in a positive way. And it's like, wow, that moment is so powerful and it's so encouraging to them and to me. So that's something that I think I developed a lot better and I can't wait to use that moving forward.
2: And and if you think wait time is tough at the high school level, it's something Ah. I do when I'm teaching at Rutgers (laughs) where, you know, a room full of 40 people your age don't want to talk and I ask a question and I just stand there in silence and then eventually – somebody opens their mouth and starts to speak and that will set off a nice chain reaction. So it's something that students at all levels struggle with in terms of getting engaged in their classes and as the teacher, being willing to take that risk and be okay with dead air.
3: Silence is good in some aspects for sure.
2: But not Not on on a a podcast. podcast.
0: (laughs) So Luke, what kind of important takeaways have you been able to glean from this student teaching experience that you had with Chris, whether they be positive or negative. I know you talked about some things that you wish you had done or made time for. And wait time is definitely a positive takeaway for sure. What else um, are you walking away with as a takeaway from
3: Chris's time with um, you? that I never want to work with him again. No, I'm just kidding. Um it's it's been a really <laughs> good, yes, I it. it's been it's been a really good experience. Something that I've that I never thought I would have gotten in this journey specifically was that something me and Chris have talked about and I've talked about with the students is really understanding that content for the most part is secondary now. Like we really want to develop these skills for these students and something Chris and I say all the time is to create, collaborate, all of these things that the students should be doing presenting writing analyzing i always thought that content was king especially being a history major somebody who loves history like i read about it pretty pretty frequently i'm always trying to figure out new things um a lot of these kids genuinely aren't interested in history if i can develop that love in them then that's that's a great thing but at the same time some people it's just not their bag and i can't fault the kid for not being into history so It's how I present the information to them and how we develop the skills that come along with it that I think was my main takeaway. I had never imagined myself to be the person that was like, yeah, content, we'll put it on the back burner for today. Today's mostly about figuring out how I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. Like Something me and Chris have planned for next week is a coding lesson. It's history-based, but the important aspect of it is the coding. I mean, coding's becoming a really popular tool that people want to see on applications, on resumes and stuff. The pride in me at the beginning, I think, of this experience would have been like, no, we can't sacrifice the content in a social studies class. But now I'm like, yeah, you know, any random day we can can step aside from that and not make it the focal point of the lesson. Because to a lot of these students, it isn't the most important thing in their life. Whereas as a social studies teacher, obviously content is very important to me. But to them, it it might not be. I think that's the most important positive takeaway: is the focus on the um, focus on the skills that we're learning. In terms of potentially like a negative takeaway, I'm trying to think of how to frame the word negative because I don't want to be like, "This is what I wish I would have done more of" or anything. If, cause
0: I... uh, how about something that you going forward would do maybe differently? like you get your classroom in September it's the same time of year that you're experiencing now what will you do differently just based i mean you've, you've said some of it you said you know invoking more of your personality mm-hmm. things like
3: that something that i think goes a little bit un- underutilized in across all curric- or across all content areas is emotional expression so something that i really want to incorporate in my own st- Teaching experience is giving each student a journal and whether they might have, like, let's say they finish up an assignment quickly. Um, I give that person 10, 15 minutes maybe. You just take some time, maybe sit in a different part of the room and go journal, you know. Stream of consciousness type things, like literally just write down what you're feeling, how you're feeling at the time. Not graded or anything, you know, it's something just to give them a forum to potentially let it all out. You know, a lot of kids. Have pent up aggression, pent up emotions that they don't let show because of the culture of the time period. And I think giving them something to do that that's completely safe, you know, it stays either with them or in my room, whichever they feel more comfortable doing, giving them the ability to just let something out that they might not want to say to other people, Uh, that sort of emotional expression, I think, is going to be a huge part of my classroom when I have my own room at least. And maybe like a couple extra hundred dollars to buy each student a notebook.
0: Just remember, you can always make those notebooks. Chris has like little DIY hacks that he assured shared with me about making notebooks. I still continue to buy them.
3: Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I could, I could do like a Google document too, like have it like a, a file that only they have access to or something. That'd be a good idea. But yeah, I mean, something that I, I value a lot is the ability to just all of your emotions out if you need to, because a lot of kids don't talk to people about what they're feeling. And I think that's so, so valuable. And I would stress that from day one. Like if you have extra time, take your journal out, spend 15 minutes just detoxing whatever it is that you have in you.
0: Yeah. I think that's something I, I should
3: start doing on my own.
2: There's a tip for students and teachers. That that That's a fantastic idea.
3: Yeah. It was something that I've been thinking about a little bit as we've been going forward because, We do have students who have these pent up like, oh my gosh, I wish I could talk to people about this. And if they don't feel that comfortable, maybe just writing it down. Because a lot of the time, like even adults, like they struggle with things that they will hardly even speak, let alone admit to themselves, you know, maybe some student who could write that down would gain a lot of insight about who they are from that sort of experience. And I feel like that would be so great to have in a classroom.
0: So can I give you some advice? Yeah, of course. You have two weeks with Chris and your students now. I would say start it. Start it tomorrow. Start it Tuesday. Start it when you have procured those things. Um, I don't know what your union is like, but I know our union likes to give away weird pride things and sometimes there's a notebook and a lot of times those notebooks just sit on the table forever when parents come. Just grab them all and put them out there in the world and see what your kids can do for the next two weeks. Then you'll know um, what some of those pitfalls are. You know, I feel like sometimes when when we look for an improvement or something that we want to try, we always wait for like that next year, that fresh class. And I say it's almost better to start with a with a group that you're that you know well, that knows you well, and that's willing to take risks for you because you have that relationship already built. And then this way, you can glean some information from that experience that you can. Um, can take with you going forward oh, just an idea
2: and if you and if you start it i could certainly continue it so it doesn't have to just be for two weeks you just got to get the ball rolling yeah for i us. think
3: that's a i think it's a great idea i mean moving forward we only have a couple more things that we're going to get through you and me i feel like maybe the last day that we're together or like the last two days combined since it's a blue and a white day we could give them like 20 minutes in the beginning of class to journal and just be like hey if you are stuck on something, maybe you just do like what you're thinking, do some stream of consciousness type stuff. If not, hear some prompts, be like, if you had to have a superpower, what would you pick and why? Like, what would you do with that superpower? Stuff like that. And just give the kids a forum to post how they're feeling. Not post, but like write it down potentially. I think that would be a great idea for like the last two days we're together.
0: Is that something you actually do as part of your own practice?
3: Um. Yeah. No, if I'm like feeling especially run down or overwhelmed with stuff, I'll just like write how I'm feeling, you know? Um, I, I can like very easily talk to people. So like, usually I'll do that sort of thing. But if like no one's around, I'll just be like, boop, type it up, maybe write it down. Um, it's something that I feel very comfortable doing and it's super, super helpful because it also helps you just get out like what it is you're thinking. And then it it could potentially help you with making a list, stuff like that.
0: I love it. I love that idea.
3: So Luke, you spoke
1: about a lot of experiences, spoke about the positives, spoke about some negatives from what I, I'm hearing from you, you have a good head on your shoulders. You have a good focus as to what you want to do. And I think you, you're starting to see another side of education in the field of education. And I think I know the answer to this question, but now for you, do you feel prepared in September? Cause I know you're going to have this job. Do you feel prepared for your first job?
3: Um, yeah, I think as prepared as anyone in my situation can feel, I feel like when I step into the classroom, I'll be a lot more confident than I was when I stepped in in September of this year. I definitely think that having worked with Chris and having worked with the people in my cohort, I've become a lot more aware of what I want to do as a teacher. Of course, I'm still developing even until I'm assuming December 21st when uh, I step out of that classroom for potentially the last time. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to come visit every now and again, but As much as anyone in my situation can feel prepared for this sort of thing, I'm so, so, so excited to actually get into the classroom and be like, all right, this is my space. You know, I am very, very looking very much so looking forward to that day.
2: I'm going to tell you this a bunch of times or at least one time now and then, you know, before you're you're gone, um, you are definitely prepared for what that next step is um I, I i've i've known it since probably the first time we did a google hangout back in august just from this year for, and i told stacy and aj this the fact that you jumped at the opportunity to even have that conversation when you could have it could have just been like getting the runaround and we just met you know in september um but every day that i've been around you every conversation that we've had and the way i've seen you interact with the department and other people. Um, you are ready, you know, and I, I said this to whether it was your observer or somebody else who came in that I'd feel confident putting you in a classroom January 2nd and say, here's your 147 kids go teach. And I think you'd be fantastic at it. And I think you have a long career ahead of you unless you become a burnout statistic, but I don't think that's going to happen. And, you know, I foresee maintaining contact with you and, Continuing to learn from you, because you've taught me some stuff this semester, and we'll save that for a future conversation on this podcast, what I learned from the student-teacher. Yeah, I
3: mean, thank you guys for having me, but I am so excited. And potentially, if any of you have districts opening, or district positions opening up, please let me know.
2: Yeah, Luke is willing to drive anywhere in the state of New Jersey and beyond, (laughs) because according to the government, he's single. So... If you're listening to this show and you need a kick-butt first-year social studies teacher who will perform beyond being a first-year teacher, then uh, Luke Wiley is your guy.
3: Thank
0: you. And your certification will be what, Luke? Will you be middle school and high school?
3: Yeah, I think it's uh, six, 6 through 12, 5 through 12 in social studies education. Um, I'm also potentially looking at adding additional certifications. I have to look into the process of seeing what I can do in terms of – Potentially elementary ed or special ed, um, but I'm looking to add those specific also.
0: There's nothing wrong with a good elementary ed certification. Yeah.
2: Now, Luke, for, for those who are listening, what's the best way to get in touch with you for people who want to connect with you and learn from you at this point and going forward?
1: Not your phone number. Not
3: my phone number. Not, Not phone your phone number. number. <laughs> um, I have a pager number. No. Um, wow yeah, but you guys are surprised i even know what a pager is um i, I am surprised <laughs> um so i just created a new twitter it is at luke Wiley ed i'm excited to look into how i can apply that into my classroom how i can incorporate news outlets different educational um different educational twitters and anything school related into my classroom in the digital sense. So if you guys have any pod, or have any Twitter handles that you could recommend me, I'd be so happy to follow them. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, that's the main one I have right now. Um, they can, uh, they could probably find my contact information on there in terms of not my phone number, you know, but yeah. So Twitter would probably be the best way at Luke Wiley ed.
2: Nice. That will be in the show notes for this episode out at podcastpd.com slash 42 and we are going to start to recommend luke on twitter he's following us we're following him and you should jump right out there and follow luke as well and tell him that podcast pd sent you
1: all right so usually at this part of the podcast we're going to tell you what we're listening to however this time we're going to skip that and let you guys know the 12 days of podcasts they're coming back baby so the 12 days of podcast pd will begin December 26th, and run through January 6th. Uh, We are very excited to bring you 12 podcast recommendations to end 2018 and to start 2019. Uh, Each of our recommendations will inspire you personally and professionally. Please make sure you're listening because we had some good ones last year. We're going to have even better ones this year. And If you want to keep up with everything for this edition of the 12 Days of Podcast PD, go to podcastpd.com. Slash Twelve Days, Twenty Eighteen.
0: righty. and I'm gonna close it out. And I just want to say, we want to take a moment to say thank you for joining us this year for Podcast PD. We've had a great year creating fun content for you, and we have some fun plans for two thousand nineteen.
2: And whether you've been with us since the beginning or this is your first episode, we truly appreciate you making this podcast part of your anytime anywhere pd
1: yeah guys out there come on do us a favor here please consider telling a colleague about this podcast or all podcasts that you enjoy uh, you can even recommend podcast pd as a starting point why not right uh, consider rating and reviewing the podcast and apple podcasts or wherever you are consuming your amazing podcasts
2: we're going to take a little break this is our last episode for 2018 we will be back in january sometime after the 12 days of Podcast PD. So stay subscribed and stay tuned for our next full-length adventure here on the show.
0: All right. And on that note, say goodbye, Christopher.
3: Goodbye,
2: Christopher.
0: Say goodbye, AJ. Goodbye, AJ. Say goodbye, Luke, the student teacher.
3: Goodbye, Luke, the student teacher.
0: And goodbye, Podcast PD pals, until 2019. Happy New Year.
2: Merry New Year. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Podcast PD. For links to all the resources mentioned in this and every episode, please visit our website, podcastpd.com.
1: You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AJBianco. And I also blog at AJBianco.me.
2: You can connect with me on Twitter. I am Mr. Nessie. And I would love it if you also checked out the House of EdTech podcast over on chrisnessy.com.
0: You can connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at irontech and I blog at irontech.me. Connect with Podcast PD on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast PD. We'd also love to have you as a member of our Facebook community. Go to podcastpd.com forward slash Facebook to join.
1: You can help us reach more educators like you by telling someone else about the podcast. So share us with a colleague. And if you do it on social media, please make sure to tag us.
0: Podcast PD is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcast for educators, podcast by educators. For more podcasts, visit edupodcastnetwork.com.